to help support this podcast and get exclusive bonus content and rewards, make a monthly pledge at patreon.com slash universe box. And, and remember, remember to, to think, think outside. outside. Pardon me. Put a hand, please. I'm having trouble with my wagon. I'm afraid it's a bit stuck. Here, allow me. Sorry, it's heavy. Overloaded with trinkets. I'm a peddler, but apparently not a very good one. <laughs> oh. 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 Just needed a little elbow grease. Thank you. Uh-huh. Ooh, it's colder than a witch's foot out here, isn't it? from Storybrooke. I'm Bill Meeks. And I'm Anne-Marie DeSimone. And this is a different kind of copy, but you should really turn your flash off when your subject is that close to the camera. It just gets all glary. Uh, we also talk about ABC's <laughs> hit series, Once Upon a Time. How are you doing, Anne-Marie? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Besides good. the uh, false dance break we had. I was like, what? Is, it just stops. I was just trying to trying to show the Anne-Marie cam, and I forgot that we were playing our, our theme uh. song for the other thing. But uh, <laughs> if you don't know, we record this live uh, usually on Monday nights at 8.30 p.m. EST at live.universebox.com. And uh, we, we have our chat there. Uh, <laughs> I just like you jinxed yourself. Yeah, see, yeah, yeah. We true. were talking to Angel and Patty before the show and everything. Ah! And I forgot you to turn even the have th- it in the thing. Turn off the I know the to theme turn music. off the theme music. Uh, we're off to a rousing start, so why don't we go ahead and get started with the rhyming episode summary for Well, this I was going to apologize up front. <clears throat> As you can tell, there's a frog in my throat. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do what I can. Yeah, just try, try not to cough in the mic, just for my ears. I don't care about our listeners. I will they do like to hear to you like... cough. <laughs> Hack over into the corner. Okay. Excellent. Everybody ready? Yep. Ready, steady, go. go. Okay. The author's the one everyone's after. Not a guy. It's a job for reality drafters. Our charming heroes kidnap a baby. Will they find their redemption? Maybe. <laughs> Rumple's not well, but a hurt heart won't stop him. Will he capture the author or try to swap him? Will this metatextual plotline placate the fans? Things go awry in this week's best laid plans. Best laid plans! <laughs> What'd you think overall? Well, other than that thing that you just did, I really <laughs> liked it. Yeah, it was a good lots episode. Lots of good things, lots of crazy things. Mm-hmm. And, and, they, like, and the, lots of yelling at the TV. Yes, the thing I liked about it was that it was very focused on stories, you know? Sing me a story, sing me a rhyme. Once upon a time. Okay, we'll come back to that later, but I guess we should get started into the main discussion here. I liked it too. Very, uh, very rich episode, very uh, deep and detailed and just like a lot of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. The big thing is we finally uh, got to meet uh, the author or a author. I'm actually surprised that we already got him. I kind of thought it was going to be a season finale. Yeah, but just well, saying. I, I guess you, you know they're kind of. I almost think they're setting it up to be him to, to be the big bad of the season almost. The big 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 because we have like seventeen big bads. Yeah, but uh, you know, and we also got a lot of the mythology too. First of all, you know uh, that the author is a job, and this author, uh, the peddler that we meet in this episode. Uh, not doing the job so well. Uh, now, last week I theorized that the book contained, you know, the actual events that would happen in the world. It turns out I, w- I was about half right. Uh, the, it, the book contains documentation of the events, mm-hmm. and the authors are supposed to document the events accurately. Uh, now, it, they also have the power to alter the reality and everything, and that's what uh, this author uh, that we meet, the peddler, uh, does I, when he goes rogue in this episode, and we see everything with The Apprentice and all that. Uh, 
Now, I, I thought it was interesting that it turns out that, you know, uh, last uh, half season during the Frozen arc, we talked a lot about the uh, the once twist and mm-hmm. how Frozen just didn't feel like it fit in the show very much because it didn't have that once twist in the story. Mm-hmm. Turns out we have a character responsible for the once twist, and that's this author, and he's doing it all to make the story more interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and I, Yeah, I, we could have used him in that Frozen arc. Yeah, at least, at least just a little bit. <laughs> no, little I think something. we'll just keep them like they were in the movie. You Let's know, not change the their clothes at all. <laughs> but no, I, I really, really like it, and I, especially with his motivation, just trying to make a really good story, you know. And I, I, I love that the author, it feels almost like a trickster god archetype, which I really mm-hmm. like. Like Mr. Uh, Mixes Pitalik from the Superman mythos, or even uh, Willow Wood from my uh, Dogboy Adventures books, uh, buy them at dogboyadventures.com. Uh, but, but I, I've always really loved this uh, archetype and everything, so it was really cool to see it on Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it explains why uh, the Frozen arc uh, was, didn't have the Once it Twist, because the, twist. the author was stuck in the book, so he couldn't write the Frozen arc with the Once Twist. Yes. At least that's what I'm thinking. I'm going to say. And I, I really love the actor who played the author. He mm-hmm. was, uh, depending on the lighting, he was either super friendly or super creepy. And, uh-huh. and his voice was like very kind. It almost reminded me. It almost reminded me of a non-cartoony version of like Mickey Mouse's voice, just like kind of like that friendly, pleasant tone of voice until the end when he kind well, of, of course. Like, freaks out. <laughs> yeah, run away. Yeah. Of course, uh, Emma can, has been practicing creating pages out of thin air, but hasn't been practicing stopping people who are running away mm. from her, I guess. I, now, I, I think that uh, throughout the course of the episode, you see that the author is sort of crafting reality and manipulating uh, – well, not just reality in the book, but the characters in the book, uh, like Snow and Charming, mm-hmm. manipulating them towards creating – like an ultimate good and an ultimate evil. I I wrote in my notes like Christ and Antichrist, but you don't have to take it that far. Right. You know, <laughs> whatever you think of ultimate good, ultimate evil, he's creating those two diametrically. Yeah, exactly. Those two diametrically opposed mm-hmm. uh, forces to kind of uh, set up an ultimate showdown, I think. So mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking, you know, we might get to see that once uh, Lily comes back into the picture. <laughs> And uh, I also wonder if, uh, you, you know, would his pen work in our world, do you think? Well, if and it's if so, magic, how's he going to change the story going on in our world right now? Like, is he going to, I don't he know. He doesn't have the book. This is true. He doesn't have any of the books. There's many, many books. Well, I mean, he could, he could grab a blank one on the way out of the mansion, maybe. But he's not in the mansion. Oh, wasn't that in the mansion? No, I thought, that I thought... was in the nunnery. Oh, was that in because the nunnery? Because that's where okay. August, they took August in the very beginning. See, for some, I thought it was in the mansion for some reason. Okay. No. Well, he could sneak over the mansion. I don't then. feel like they would take August to recover in the mm-hmm. mansion. And then it wouldn't have taken so long for Snow and Charming to get to Henry and Henry wouldn't have had to run across the big giant field when everybody passed out. Mm-hmm. All that. So there's this, there's why you're wrong, Bill. That's why you're <laughs> Thank wrong. Thank you. I, I definitely appreciate hearing why I'm wrong. Of but, course. You know, it, it definitely the author uh, seems like he could end up being like the big, big, big bad that we've been talking about forever, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I just uh, wonder if that means, did, did he uh, manipulate... <laughs> Everything in this. Did he make mm-hmm. Rumple become the dark one? Did he cause the curse to come into being right. and make like, it when did he take make it move around and everything? That was that was one of my um questions is when did he become the author? Mm-hmm. Like how do the sorcerer and the apprentice or are they one and the same? As somebody brought up, um, how do they choose the author? What causes them to choose a new author? And like why did they lock the dude in the book instead of just choosing another author? What is my 
<laughs> Sorry, Henry Cameron's scary. Um, yeah, because well, I, I, yeah, they, they, I, I would assume they didn't choose another author since this is the guy they're going after. But no, no that's know. what I'm saying, yeah. though. Why didn't they revoke his authorship privileges mm-hmm. and give them to somebody else? Yeah. He, they did, I mean, from what it says, they said that they choose the author. Maybe they didn't have enough time before the curse hit because, I mean, you know, this is a pretty tight timeline within like nine months or so. Uh, nine months is not For the past well, few flashbacks. The, uh, the you, flashbacks. You, you know, so the maybe crazies. the sorcerer and his apprentice didn't get around to it. Maybe they got lost in the infinite forest. But, <laughs> but the thing is, like, they made this guy the author. From <clears throat> mm-hmm. what I understand, there could be some, you know, something else. It could be like a born into type of situation yeah but like if they're not happy with what he's doing why didn't they just revoke his authorship privileges Mm. and assign them to somebody else well maybe it's something like like the same situation we have with a, another kind of honorific that gets passed around a lot, the dark one. And, mm. you, you, you know, because they, they can't make Rumpel not be the dark one. He, they, you have to, you know, kill him with his own dagger uh, if you want him to so not be you, the dark kill one him anymore. With the pen? I, I don't know. Maybe. Or maybe maybe it's just like may, maybe it's a position you have to leave voluntarily. And he since he didn't leave it, the most they could do was trap him in the book so he couldn't write anymore. All right. I can deal with that. But that also brought me to aren't they concerned with not documenting anything that happened? after that date Mm -hmm. because that seems to be a big thing is documenting and that's why they were so upset is that he was messing with he was rewriting history basically he was changing what was able to transpire Mm -hmm. and you know yeah he locked him in there but there should have been some other way they weren't concerned with documenting it and i feel like that's still there were stories still to be tracked Maybe that's why Sidney Glass started his paper. <laughs> oh, what's up? But don't we have in the book the curse hitting? Do we have the curse hitting? Yeah, the curse hits in the book. Then and who like, put it in the sent- book? The author was already trapped in the book. Yeah, this is literally just because I mean, yeah, we, when they show him being sucked into the book in this episode, he's writing the story of what happened with Maleficent. Right, and so. snow is not even showing, mm-hmm. which also is an issue. Well, but- I would say, yeah, I guess it really depends too on because we still don't know quite how Henry got the book uh, initially so it's well i mean snow but we don't know how snow got the book blue (laughs) but maybe whoever uh got the book to snow and thereby uh by proxy to henry Mm -hmm. uh maybe they went ahead and added that last little bit you know so the savior could save and all that kind of stuff right Or, or maybe maybe they you know decided to stop using books and start put stories into started putting stories into songs or something you know and just spitballing. Sing me a story. Sing me a rhyme. Sing all about what happened once upon a time. When I sing a story or I sing a rhyme, it's as though I've heard it for the, the very first time. time. Yeah. Wow. But I, I mean, maybe they, they just put the stories into songs now. Maybe. Maybe. We're going to get a musical episode. Um, also, I don't think that Amy P's theory is shot of Belle's mm-hmm. mom being an author. Um, it's completely left open because August specifically does say that great men and women yeah, and- were authors. So mm-hmm. I don't think <laughs> author versus author showdown. Yes. <laughs> um, I still think she's one of the authors. So maybe she did actually die there. Yeah. And, but- the, and then this guy had to replace her or something. Right. It makes her protect of the books because it wasn't just a book it was mm. the books more important and it raises those stakes and you know that's really what you want with the characters to have the high stakes to play oh definitely so there's that um has the author been able to see out this keyhole for however long he's been in there yeah i was thinking about that because he says you know i didn't even
even have enough room, room to, to, like, to get, get my it. brandy or whatever. Right. Like, how how was he able to shine the light out? There, you right. Know? What? How did he have magic mm-hmm. to do that? How? Why was this the first time he'd done that, or was it? And how Does, did how did he know he could trust Henry with that information too? Because it's Henry. He's been carrying him around. If oh, he yeah, can I, see out of there, actually, yeah, it's that's Henry. true. He's going to know for sure that that's the person he can trust. And um, so this means he knows more about the dragon mm-hmm. if he's been able to see out this keyhole or at least observe what's yeah, well, been going on around him, even well, if he couldn't. Well, move. the page with the door, yeah, because the dragon had that the right dragon now. Had August that. brought it into Storybrook Correct. and then added it into the book. No, or no, it wasn't added. It into wasn't the book. added. It, it was in August's stuff, right? That he had. Yeah. So it's been separated. Mm-hmm. How did the dragon get it? That's a that's a good question. I guess we have to figure out who the dragon or like. What I the need more dragon. Still. Yeah, definitely. Um, and one of my last things with this. Where is the pen? Where the pen didn't get I, sucked in with them. I have a pencil here. That doesn't uh, work. Oh, oh, I dropped my pen. I've got a pen. Here we go. I have a pen I've right here. I've got a here. marker. Here, I'm going to try and write... Uh, Anne Marie. Myself a million dollars. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I'm going to win the lottery <laughs> tax free. No, it, like, I, I almost want to say I saw it like fall on the ground or something. It when did. It, got it fell on book. top yeah. of the book. Does this mean the bell? Mm. Bell could become the author, Angel. I love that. Definitely. <laughs> What's going on in the chat room? Why, um, Angel said, does this mean that Bell could become an author later? Definitely. And I think that would totally make sense. Like, I think, uh, and this is something that we should probably just mention anyway. If you guys aren't aware of it, you know, we've mentioned several times the, the comic book series, uh, Fables, uh, that mm. kind of has a similar plot line and everything. If, if you're into this stuff, what they're doing with the author and everything, I highly recommend Fables, first of all. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a good series, and it's, you know, uh, all the fairy tale characters living in a, uh, like an invisible burrow in New York city mm-hmm. and then there's another series a spinoff series called jack of fables about uh, jack from jack and the beanstalk jack and jill like all the jacks in every story is this jack and uh they do a, a story called the great fables crossover where they do a series called the literals where uh, the literals are basically like the author and, and they're writing the reality and everything so if you if you're into this sort of like metatextual stuff with the author highly recommend fables and specifically the great fables c- crossover with the literals maybe the dragon is the father of maleficent's baby. thank you Pat. i like that i like that because it's kind of fantastic because we later and no multiple times i go mm-hmm. who is the father yeah not only do we not know who the baby daddy is but we don't know who the adopted daddy is either or what significance he might have. And he could be important because, as we know, people mm-hmm. like um, the – not Charming? Yeah, the Charmings. No, mm-hmm. not the Charmings. The Darlings. Charming, Darling, whatever, <laughs> can randomly adopt, try and adopt people. Yeah, it, it just seems like the name Lilith that he gave her is a little too on the nose for him not to be involved in something, somewhere, somehow, or something. Yeah, yeah. it just seemed very specific. Maybe it's the home office. No, they're well, we come never, back. We never got <laughs> – yeah, but back then it still existed. Mm-hmm. So we don't know. She could have been involved in all that. Well, that was that was just Peter Pan's trickery, right? The yeah, home it was, office. Yeah, it was. Just, I'm just saying. Okay, so another big thing that we got in this episode, and it was kind of a little glazed over, but it, it, I thought it was pretty significant. And based on the previews for uh, the next uh, next episode, I think we're going to get a bit more of this. So I thought it was definitely w- worth mentioning was uh, the scene between Rumpel and Belle. It appears that Rumpel's having some heart issues, and uh, as, as far as I can figure. It, I think the Dark One's powers and all this evil that he's been uh, living with and executing for millennia or hundreds mm-hmm. of years now, I, I think it's burning him out. I it's think it's doing something. Well, he's also died mm-hmm. and come back to life and crossed the got yeah. into no magic and back into magic. Had glittery skin, non glittery skin, glittery skin several again. times. Yes. 
Yeah, and, and so considering that, you know, it, even if it's not the Dark One power is burning him out, there's some reason that he – this author idea has come back to him in very fervently versus, you know, the fairy tale and flashbacks where it was kind of like a, uh, a sort of like excuse to get uh, the Queens of Darkness or mm-hmm. the Spice Girls of Evil. Spice Girls of Evil. To, to do what he wanted. So it makes sense that he he's really into finding the author now because his one last chance at self-preservation, which is Rumpelstiltskin's biggest like character trait he wants mm-hmm. to live uh his his only chance now is to have the author go back and rewrite history so he doesn't get the dark one powers so he doesn't it, they don't burn him out well, you that's know? gonna do so much if we go back and do that because bay shouldn't die then yeah bay, bay wouldn't uh have... but then again we're probably mm-hmm. not gonna have henry yeah, bay could have died then because he he could he probably would have got taken off to the ogre wars well, and, there's that or you know but then we don't stripped it to the army and we don't have henry yeah and right. we don't have the dark curse so many things happen if he doesn't become mm-hmm. the dark one yeah and i i think we actually went over some of that one of our one sith specials over the Probably, hiatus yeah. so definitely go back and check those out if you're interested more in that line but I, I one other thing i thought was kind of interesting is it seems like anyone who knows anything about the author knows he's a he's bad news yes. including emma but they're also selfish and wanting their own happy endings or wanting their own i don't know revenge on their parents for lying you know, to lying them and lying and lying and stealing babies <laughs> or whatever that they're okay with letting them out and i i just think like i don't think it's like antithetical to how, how I viewed these characters or decisions that they would make. I don't think it's a dumb decision. I just think they're being very selfish all the way. I, everyone is, except for Snow and Charming, but we'll come to that later. Mm. Like, I, I think by the end of the episode, they're not being selfish anymore. But we'll talk about that in a little yeah. bit. Okay, speaking of Snow and Charming, mm-hmm. dear Snow, did you really not think there was a baby in the egg? <laughs> yeah. What did you think was in the egg? Maleficent is a woman mm-hmm. who transforms into a dragon, not a dragon who transforms into a woman, to the best of our knowledge. Which is I, I I mean, I've never been a woman who was pregnant before, but that would be a pretty nice feature to have, you know, being able to transform into a dragon, just lay the egg and then, you know, have, oh, have the whole pregnancy taken care of. If I could have just curled up on it. And yes. <laughs> yeah. Didn't like being pregnant. No. <laughs> I, I, I did like a Maleficent sort of a nesting uh, look mm-hmm. she had, though. It was it just, you know, nice straight hair. It was very maternal. Yeah. It was, it's very your like typical mm-hmm. um, hippie crunchy maternal the big flowy dress and the hair's not done and all that mm-hmm. um okay this um stuff is um my next little mini points half points whatever um your child will be born with pure of intent uh-huh so that's what um the apprentice tells them after doing all this you know your child will be pure of intent your job is to guide it and keep it in the light mm-hmm. that's the only way that emma was gonna stay good they threw emma in a thing and she got dragged away like, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, no, even well, though they went through all of this, mm-hmm. it didn't matter. Well, I think, you know, uh, a lot of key characters in particular, Blue, you know, they presented that as the only option to keep Emma safe at all oh, or to keep her alive at all and for them to possibly ever be able to reverse the curse. Right. Oh, I know. Once the curse re- is reversed, they rhyme. That's all I'm saying. Wow. Um, but it also and then it also says that you're born a blank slate and have free will. Mm-hmm. There, what they're basically saying is there is no guarantee. You've stolen this child or this egg because you didn't think it was going to be a baby. <laughs> um, thrown all this evil magic into it and shipped it off to another realm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. The kid's still 
still going to make their own choices and you have to guide it to make it still be good. Yeah, and I, I think that's probably a scene or a theme we're going to come back to a lot, especially mm-hmm. with the author thing too, is just like how much, how much of these characters' actions are uh, author-related and how much of them are, you know, their free will kicking in too. Right, exactly. But I, I, I think uh, really the, the author, more than anything, he seems like he he's – taking versus just like writing down what people do to change or whatever and i mean obviously he's guilty of that but i think he's more into like getting in the mix a little bit manipulating people too which is fun Mm. tons of fun okay well uh, we'll get back to the main discussion in just a minute but first of all we wanted to uh, mention a couple (laughs) things uh to you here uh first off i don't know if you guys have have, uh, been paying attention but recently we started uh, doing a patreon uh which is a a way you guys can help support us on a monthly basis uh doing all the podcasts we do like greetings or our gotham podcast legends of gotham or our new podcast about everything universe box which we just did an episode on old school nickelodeon so if you love uh you know you can't do that on television all that nicktoons snick all that kind of stuff universebox.com um, uh, really good good episode. I highly recommend it. I get slimed. Yes, uh, but and it's awesome. If you want to uh, help support us, it, it can really help us kind of grow this out and uh, do more and more exciting more stuff. More fun stuff, yeah. Like uh, we've already hit a couple of the milestone goals. Like mm-hmm. we're doing a monthly uh, hangout with uh, people who have kicked in on the Patreon. Yes. Uh, we d- our Patreon. Yeah. We, we did a, a one a couple uh, weeks ago, and it was great. It was a great, great Saturday night. It was a fun party. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, we all, we've also eliminated ads except for you know internal, internal ads for the ads. podcast right. on the podcast and the next milestone we have is a patreon patron exclusive movie commentaries where we'll do movie commentaries that we'll release exclusively to our patrons mm-hmm. for the first six months and then we'll spend them out onto their own podcast uh, the first ones we're going to do are goonies uh ninja turtles one and harry potter one uh, we decided in our hangout and, uh, and th- if you come to our hangouts mm. you can help choose these things yeah and i uh, the next one uh uh, the next uh, milestone that I'll mention real quick, and this is one that uh, probably probably would would be great to hit by before fall, is instant reactions. Well, yes. we're as soon as we're done watching the episode, we'll come and record an audio clip and send it out to all our patrons, mm-hmm. and then also include it in the podcast to let you guys know what we thought about the episode right after. Because there's been a lot of demand for that, mm-hmm. and uh, you get a lot of rewards too. Like you get uh, if uh, at any pledge amount, even ten cents uh, a month, you get every Dog Boy book, and eventually, once I get it together, a zip file. With every podcast we've ever recorded, and uh, you can, there's more and more levels. Like uh, I, I'll draw you a picture, a bad picture. We'll each write you a personalized handwritten letter. We'll sing any song you yes. want. And you uh, know we like to sing. It's yeah. kind of a thing that we do. We like to sing badly. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you want to help support us and uh, the podcast we're creating, uh, you can do that on a monthly uh, basis or even one time. You can do it one time, let it charge you once and uh, fall back off. If you don't like the monthly charge, mm-hmm. that's fine too. Actually, you Or can, YouTube. Yeah, you can uh, – through youtube.universebox.com, there's a fan funding uh, link if you want to do a one-time donation. But uh, the Patreon is patreon.com slash universebox. That's P-A – P-A-T-R-E-O-N <laughs> dot com slash universe box to help support the podcast a yes, little please. bit. Okay, and before we get back to the main discussion, we had another submission of a rhyme. Yes. Uh, Anne-Marie, would you like – yeah. Yeah. I you got this. that? Let me, let me pull it up. Excellent. Here. All right. Hold, please. <laughs> <laughs> excuse the coughing. Excuse the coughing. Okay. <laughs> ready? Secrets and lies make its mark. As Maleficent's child's heart turns dark, won't anyone give the two idiots birth by sleep because the charmings are into too deep? Meanwhile, Rumple is honest to unconscious Belle. I'm going, I am going out on a limb and suggest he isn't well. Where is Archie when you need him? While we should be cheery, we really, but really we're mourning for the loss of Amy Peace theory <laughs> for the 
the author is finally revealed and bonus points for not making a deal. One question that comes to mind, which I hope the answer isn't hard to find. Where is Walt? Are we sure he's not locked in the vault? Gather around from far and wide, for these hosts will not lie, as we take a closer look in this week's greetings from Storybrooke. Yay! Thank you, Patty. Yes, thank you very much, Patty. For sure, for sure. Okay, let's see here. What else do we have on the agenda? so good. We have absolutely nothing on the agenda, except to say, uh, you know, we love getting uh, reviews on the podcast over on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. If you leave them, uh, we will read them on the air. So if you you want to do that for next week, it'd be great. In fact, if you want to do a rhyming... Uh, review of the podcast. I know. It would be two weeks. Yeah, yeah two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, because we got a break. Yeah, actually, I, I guess now's as good a time as any to say this. What oh, we're yeah. going to do for <laughs> since we have a week off, what we're going to do is next week I did a special interview uh, last night actually uh, with uh, Liz and Roxy from RegalCon about everything that's going on there, all the panels. Uh, mm-hmm. Even I, I don't know if you like this podcast. Uh, there might be a panel there specifically might, for you. There might be a greetings uh, from Storybrook panel. I'm just I don't saying. know. I don't know. Just saying. But uh, we're going to release that uh, early next week, and then later next week we're going to release one of the commentaries we recorded back over the oh, yeah. hiatus that we hadn't got around to releasing yet. So I, there'll be a couple episodes between now and the next episode of Once Upon a Time. True that. But I guess we should go ahead and get back, uh, back to our, discussion. Yeah, our main discussion. Uh, the next thing I really wanted to bring up was Snow and Charming in this episode. There was a lot going on oh, with them. Snow and Charming. Yeah. Hey, Emery, why don't you give your quick uh, 30 seconds on Snow and Charming in this episode? Or do you have more points? later on with them idiots continue okay <laughs> that's fair okay well i love the the morality debate they kind of had throughout the entire episode you know mm-hmm. what is a hero what is good what is evil uh, you know it's fundamental stuff for the characters and for the show and i, I also really love the revelation that the darkness in snow's heart didn't start with uh having regina kill cora mm-hmm. you know tricking regina into killing cora it actually started with you know stealing a baby no yeah, big deal possibly nbd stealing a baby uh, <laughs> Now, they, they, they did seem uh, – the Charmians did seem reluctant participants in the events of the flashback this mm-hmm. episode, as does The Apprentice. And uh, he even vocalizes his, his uh, hesitation to the author a little bit later on. They know it's wrong and they're resisting the author. I, now, I, I just wonder uh, – and Emery, what do you think? Uh, how much do you think uh, of their actions motivations are you know free will and how much do you think is – the author's pen. I think actually a lot of it was the author's pen. You do? I, I, I want to believe that a lot of it was the author's <laughs> pen. I Yeah, because I mean, I, I mean, Snow and Charming are pretty much irredeemable at this point, maybe. Like, <sighs> well, I mean, I guess Regina and Gold, Gold if, have if both Regina done some If Regina and Gold have gotten some level. sorts of redemption, they can get some because Lily is still alive, to the best of our knowledge. Mm-hmm. It, at it, least it, as of 15 years ago. It kind of makes you view Regina in a whole new light, though. Like, yeah, maybe she was right about Snow right. <laughs> a little bit, you know? But again, we don't know how much Snow was under control of a lot of that. Mm-hmm. these later things. Like, what we know of, um, like, Bandit Snow and all that, she were good. She was good. Like, this does – it doesn't seem in character. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's been really bothering me is a lot of this stuff doesn't seem in character for Snow and Charming. Yeah. So that leads me to believe, want to believe, wish, hope, and pray on a star mm-hmm. – that it's a lot of the author's pen. This was a rewrite. This on was their a re- characters. This yeah. was a rewrite. Yeah, and uh, just one thing uh, that 
And I, I think someone uh, calls it uh, simplistic in a voicemail a little bit later on. But I, I really liked uh, the conclusion that Snow comes to kind of like, you know, because they have this big philosophical debate the entire episode. And then at the end, uh, Snow, right before they tell Emma, Snow makes this grand uh, moral statement, uh, you know, the conclusion of their argument, which is heroes do what's right, mm-hmm. not not what's easy. And I, I, I just really like this because this statement is kind of the, the central linchpin of my own personal, like mm-hmm. Bill Meeks's personal personal morality that uh you know you should try and do what you think is right i and i mean obviously everyone has a different interpretation right. of that but you know you should try and do what you think is right no matter how inconvenient it is to you personally and uh you know if if it's something that could directly harm you or something that probably means it's it, that, that probably indicates even more that you're making the right decision a lot mm-hmm. of the time and so it was kind of nice to hear uh snow voice that and again i i know some people view that as sort of a simplistic morality but that's kind of what i go by so yeah. so i, I kind of like uh like seeing them do that i'm not going to go kidnap a baby or anything to reach that conclusion. i would prefer you not kidnap babies yeah. i'll try not to good so unicorns Unicorns. Unicorns were pretty important in this episode. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Why in the beginning did Snow and Charming act like it was going to be really hard to get to touch this unicorn's horn? They gave it an apple and they grabbed the, un- the horn. <laughs> like, it, it didn't, it barely turned its head. Maybe they had a bad experience with, like, Lisa Frank stickers or something uh, back Seriously, <laughs> like, was there a bad badge of Lisa Frank stickers mm. that came to life? I don't know, that <laughs> bothered me. I'm like, they gave it an apple and it pretty much was like, mm. oh. I love you. So there was that. I, I I did think it was interesting that they decided to use the unicorn uh, to predict Emma's future one way or the other when it was about predicting sort of a, a teenage girl's or a little girl to a teenage girl's future. And, you know, unicorns are so synonymous. With, I mean, I, I mean, it's very associated with little girls and adolescent girls, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because they're like a horse plus. Horse plus 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 the the horn. The horn. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I also thought it was really weird that Charming thinks that since the baby's there, it's gonna grow up just fine from its vision. It's a small baby. Like it hasn't made a decision yet. It's still in a cradle. Mm-hmm. Well, All they... you know is the baby survived birth. Like that's what Charming's vision showed. Yeah. And then there's snows where her hearts get ripped <laughs> out and. <laughs> Which had the same uh, adolescent yeah, actress that played Young Emma in the last half season. And, and her dress was really um, – her pink and gold dress kind of actually surprised me because it didn't really look like the style they typically wore. Mm-hmm. It looked like it was – you know, same old timey like gown, but it wasn't really what we're used to seeing, like well, the charmings in. It, it it looked like a princess dress that one would buy at the mall, like at a, yeah, like, like at Claire's or something, or even the Disney store, like mm-hmm. a play dress. It didn't look like a real one. Yeah. So there's that. Um, why did Snow say Cinderella sent over this mobile? Her name is Ella, and she has always called her Ella, I, and she called her Cinderella. I I would assume that was probably just, just a. Yeah, just a primetime TV thing, so they know you're talking about Cinderella. Actually, they're they're probably they probably wanted to hit that especially hard, considering the Cinderella movie's out right now. Yeah. So they you know cross promotion synergy. All that and in my world, that's just a cheap way to get a character in the episode without actually getting the character in the episode. <laughs> True. Um. But we did get the origin of the mobile. We did, which I actually didn't like. I kind of liked like I'd always mm-hmm. had in my head that um, Snow had gotten it for her, um, especially yeah. by the way that she like looked at it in gold 
shop and had happy memories with it. It has always been associated with some really positive memories. Yeah, but now now when you see Snow look at it, you're you just know you know just know that she's picturing a kidnapped baby, dragon baby that she kicked in right, the portal. Right. Yeah. That's pretty much what it says <laughs> now, and that's not the feeling you've ever gotten mm-hmm. when she's been with this mobile. So I don't I don't like that association. Well, the author's doing a rewrite. Freaking author. Blame it on the author. Author. Don't blame it on Kane. Blame it on, on the, the author. author. Okay. Okay. So, uh, hmm. don't know how I feel about uh, these next two characters' roles in this episode. Not very happy about it. Cruella and Ursula. Now, yeah. First of all, in the flashbacks, complete henchwoman. Like they might as well have been wearing matching T-shirts, like the old Batman '60s TV show or something. Like they yes. were. Just, they were just so generic. Like they. <laughs> Like, that's what yeah. their characters were. Yeah, they were just completely useless. And, and the fact that they, you know, like you were just pantomiming there, they, they, they just, like, run in and fall in the portal. Ah, like, yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> if you looked away from the screen for 10 seconds, you, didn't even you, know they were you there. would miss it. And it, just to get them uh, to our world, just it doesn't make a lot of sense for one why didn't they age like Lily did? You know, because obviously they got kicked through the portal at the same time. So why didn't they age like Lily did? And two, I, I just felt like them being banished to this world, like they they should have been banished. They should have done something directly. But the author. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So we don't know who Lily's mom was in our world, correct? Correct. We've only or seen Or that the she t- has one. Right. Well, we wanted to name her Lilla. Mm-hmm. So there was a wife. I suppose so, yeah. Could Cruella have possibly been married to the guy? Well, see, that's another thing. This no- is again, these are things that are just coming off of my Yeah, head. I guess cuz it was an older gentleman in that mansion. We know, did we see the guy? Yeah. But the thing is like Sorry. After they came through the portal, like what did they do? Did they sell the baby and why did why didn't they tell Maleficent it was that, in she an had, egg. that she had a daughter? Yeah, no cuz yeah. right before it got kicked in, the egg broke and they saw a little arm there, so obviously on the other side of the portal they would have had a baby hatching and (laughs) (laughs) so uh so yeah like why why didn't and why wouldn't they tell maleficent yeah you had a daughter she's cool (laughs) or whatever you know and and it just obviously they're going to play that out at some point as to uh like what happened on the other side of that portal because we still don't really have cruella's backstory at all nothing so nothing uh, except that she wished she'd have had two more puppies mm -hmm. for mittens but yeah it definitely felt like cruella and ursula falling through the portal was a really big coincidence but then i started thinking you know but the author uh, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Apprentice says uh, that uh, Cruella and Ursula went where they belong. And, you know, we bo- we all know that he was kind of speaking the author's wishes at that point and following the author's uh, directions at that point. So does the author ne- – did the author need Cruella and Ursula in the land without magic? And if so, why? Like, mm. do, do you think that, you know, that's part of his endgame is he needed them over here? <laughs> like, do you think – they were sent with the intention of taking care of Lilith or just to get her to an orphanage, to sell the baby, anything like I that? I have no idea. I don't know. I, I don't understand those two mm-hmm. at, and how they all got into cahoots, really. Like, yeah. really got into cahoots. A marketing department. <laughs> That's how they got into it. And, you know, anytime they've had a chance to shine, I've enjoyed all of the characters. It's just like... They don't get a chance. Yeah, they had that... 
it, I mean, Maleficent even says it point blank in this episode. You brought those two in to get me back. Right. You know, like that, another little metatextual reference there. I, and, and one other thing uh, that, that I wanted to point out before I move on and everything. Just uh, Cruella says when Regina, I, I think, comes back to the cabin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it feels like I aged a decade waiting for you. Now, that felt like a very specific reference to either something going on, like, within the show that I, I just missed or whatever. But if you, if you know, greetings from storybrook at gmail.com or tweet us at GF Storybrook. I'd love cause, just because it felt like a very specific reference. I felt like it was referencing something. I just don't know what. And we'll keep an eye in the chat room, too. Right. Okay. Lily. Lily. Yay, Lily. Okay. Let's just be honest. I'm pretty sure we all knew this was going to be Maleficent's daughter, right? Oh, yeah. I think we all that, knew that it was going to be a, Lily. Yeah. Why was the flashback in the rattle? Thought it was a little weird. Mm-hmm. Thought a little weird. We're looking at this little baby rattle and there's the flashback. <laughs> um, I kind of expected it to be um, in Regina's mirror since they were standing right next to it. And well, bigger viewing space. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> next. Bill, can you please pull up my picture? Oh, yes. One second here. I have it right here. There we so go. I saw this on the Pinterest today mm-hmm. and it's amazing. It's basically fantastic. And I love people who have the time and energy to do this type of thing. <laughs> Um, Lily has a birthmark that Emma points out and she's had it as long as she can remember. Yeah. Itty bitty little baby has the exact same birthmark. Yeah. The little star birthmark. It's a little star. And look at that poor little baby wrist there. Oh, I love that little That looks focus. like freshly cut or something. And it might be. Yeah. Because what mm-hmm. I was going to say, that's the arm that punched out of the thing. Mm. So did the apprentice possibly mark the child midst spell so In that- In a star, that would make sense because it's the apprentice- Right, so that the baby can be reunited or located or something so that mm-hmm. they knew something to look for yeah. from the magical world mm-hmm. into the real world. Yeah, I, 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 I can definitely dig that. It, I don't know that her adopted parents, they, they kind of – Parent. Or parent that we've seen so far. He kind of struck me as almost like, I, I don't know, like part of like some sort of cult or like some sort of insular society or something too. Possibly. So, I mean, maybe this is a mark for that society. I mean – No, because that baby has that mark the day they're getting adopted. Oh, I guess so, huh? They had to have yeah. had it before. So, there's that. Definitely. Very interesting. So, I, I, I like the theory. Poor little baby wrist. Oh, well, yep. <laughs> okay, uh, so uh, we're both going to uh, wrap up here, I think, because there was a lot to talk about in the main discussion topics. But there was also lots of little things to mm-hmm. – do you want to like maybe back and forth since we each have a couple? Well, actually, I was no. going to say uh, you want to check out the chat room for any comments that we can throw in between here while I, I okay. go through my uh, – what, what I'm calling quibbles and bits. Okay, so uh, first of all, uh, Snow and Charming conspiring uh, about Emma with Emma standing like two feet away just off camera. Really? You couldn't have had them like run out into the hall and then talk about, whoa, what are we going to do about Emma? This, that, and the other. She was like literally within an arm's reach of of Emma. Like they weren't going to hear her. (laughs) I I, I mean, maybe even have them lean in and actually, you know, whisper in their ears or something would have been good. And I also thought that Hook's jealousy was way out of character. He's mm-hmm. he's not an unconfident man at all. He 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 knows he he's he's the bomb digs. And I, I don't think he would be threatened by August at all. But then again, I think that the storyline was there because they knew that the fans would have that question in their mind. Like, mm-hmm. what's Hook's reaction to August being back when him and Emma kind of had a thing, sort of? So they just felt that they would address it to, uh, you Get know, keep, yeah, and keep the shipping wars to a minimum, I guess. 
And uh, I, I was also kind of curious, how many injuries come with a sleeping curse? Because falling asleep standing up seems really dangerous. Seems like there would be a lot of head injuries, maybe like crushed in temples, things like well, that, something. concussions. Also, don't you feel like more people in that area... <clears throat> excuse me, that um, town would have been under a sleeping curse at some other point. Yeah, and uh, of course we were ta- yeah. talking a little earlier, uh, now the entire town's immune to sleeping curses. Except for, Re- <laughs> no, because Regina is now. So they're all they're all yeah, good. Um, Anything fun see. in chat? Uh, various origins of where Lily, Lily, Lilith or Lillian could have come from. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the Christian mythology of being um, a demon. Uh, Walt's wife was Lily and named Mickey Mouse. Which Walt got a name check in this episode. And Walt got a name check, so that kind of makes that almost even more... Um, still Bobby thinks that Lilith is Rosemary's baby. Possibly, no, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So there's that. Okay, my little thingy, my right. bibbles and quabbles. Bibbles and quabbles. Quabbles and bits. Okay, bibbles and bits and bub- bibbles and quabbles. When does Emma have time to practice magic and get so good that she can be like poof, poof, poof with page. everything and making it perfect? Mm-hmm. I've been practicing. How many times do you have to tell us you're practicing? When have you been practicing? Was it during those six weeks? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I just remembered one other quibble and bit that I forgot to put all right, in quibble here. Quibble and all. bit. Uh, just one quick quibble Hurry and bit. Up. How did Snow and Charming know about the fake page that Emma created when they came back to Henry because they were like, oh, you, so you just gave them the fake page. Yes! Quibbles and I don't bits. understand. Quibbles and Go bits. Go back to your bibbles and quabbles. Why didn't Rumpel think ahead about Henry not falling asleep under the sleeping curse? Why wasn't he already sort of watching him or going after him? Mm-hmm. He knew he wasn't going to go under and he knew how protective he was, as he points out, of the book and its mythos. He should have already like been that two steps ahead type of thing. Yeah. Um, why does Maleficent need all sorts of silver in her nest? <laughs> I mean, I'm not familiar with the story that well, so maybe that's why. Um, yeah, I, I feel like there's something with silver, like maybe <laughs> strength or weakness or something. I don't know. Um, excuse me. Okay, Snow and Charming have gone through all of this craziness for baby number one. Mm -hmm. I used a different word in my notes, but I would say craziness now. (laughs) They have stolen things and portals and shoved her in a tree and all this craziness. Has anyone seen baby Neil in a couple weeks, months maybe? Baby Neil's getting... Don't even tell me that Granny is watching him. No, I was going to say baby Neil's getting drunk at Granny's. Apparently, that kid is going to be walking by the time we see him next. (laughs) Probably. It probably is. Like... Mm. I'm or, sorry, it really bothers gonna, me. Or they're going to have the author rewrite reality to where the baby never happened to begin with by the end of the season. <laughs> I can't handle it. I can't handle it. Blame the author. Um, But it just seems really weird that they've gone through so much. Mm-hmm. So, so, so much. And then we don't even mention <laughs> the other kid. Just no mention about the, about the new baby without any baggage because you're dealing with the baggage from the old baby. Right. Honestly, yes. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, baggage from the old baby and the quibbles and bits and bibbles and Wobbles. Kidnap babies. Why is that written there really large? Because I I wanted to know out of 17 kidnapped babies, how many kidnapped babies would you give this episode, Amory? Why? Why kidnap babies? Because oh. kidnap babies. <sighs> it's it's the latest thing for spring. <laughs> 17 kidnapped 17 babies. 17 kidnapped babies. Um, <laughs> Patty. Um, I'm going to say 13 and a tongue. Why? Because <laughs> the tongue's funny. <laughs> um, sounding very manly. Sorry, guys. Um, because there's lots of questions and quibbles and bits and bits and quabbles mm-hmm. left to go with this. And I, I just don't, I think it's some stuff that they just haven't thought of. Yeah. And that bothers me. Mm-hmm. And we're name checking just for, you know, we 
we've already done the marketing name checks. We had an entire half season for that. Stop with the Cinderella elephant. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Little things like that bother me. That's fair. That's definitely fair. And as for me, I'll probably give it. I'll probably give it a 15 kidnap babies out of 17 kidnap babies. Uh, in obviously chat room, uh, f- please, please feel share. free to check in too with your arbitrary scale ratings. Uh, but yeah, I, I really liked it. It was a really solid episode. A very fundamental, like rev- uh, not revolutionary, uh, revelatory episode. A, a lot was revealed. Uh, we kind of got a, a really good idea of where we're going to be going for the rest of the season. And I thought there were several funny moments too, like colder than a witch's foot. Uh, yeah. Which is foot. Foot, for example. And I, I just really love the actor for the author, too. So mm-hmm. I'm so glad he's going to become a big part of the show overall. Okay. And over in the chat, let's see here. Uh, we, uh, Steffi or Steph1Y uh, gives it 15 kidnap babies. A Hope gives it 14 and a half kidnap babies for the episode. Half a baby. Uh, very King Solomon of you, Hope. <laughs> uh, Patty gives it 14 kidnap babies because of the Kingdom Heart reference. And uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I think that's all for the arbitrary scales. So let's see here. Okay, well, we're, we are, as we mentioned earlier, we're, I'm going to be attending, and possibly Emory too, uh, Regal Con, uh, May 8th through 10th in Anaheim. So we wanted to tell you a little bit about it and a contest we're running where you can go uh, for free and also uh, maybe get a Rumpelstiltskin stand. And so we'll uh, tell you all possibly about that. Possibly with bandana. Very possibly. So we'll tell you all about that. Uh, oh, Bobby uh, put 17 babies. And we'll be right back. Greetings from Storybrooke. I'm Bill Meeks. And I'm Anne-Marie DeSimone. And we're here to announce our Greetings from Storybrooke Regal Con test. If you don't know what Regal Con is, <laughs> it's a convention they're having this year in Anaheim, California, uh, May 8th through 10th, that focuses on the Once Upon a Time fandom. Now, there's going to be a lot of oncers there. And a lot of ca- cast members, too, like Emily DeRaven, Sean McGuire. Pretty many, much, many dwarves. And Rebecca Mater will mm-hmm. be there. August. You know, all sorts <gasps> of people. That's right. August will be there. Thanks to you guys. Thanks to our patrons. Uh, we're going to be able to cover my plane ticket and my hotel room, you know, just off of you guys' uh, donations that you've made over at patreon.com slash universe box. Thank you Thank you, so guys. Much really appreciate it. And we're definitely going to be bringing you back a lot of exclusive content. Uh, we, we should be uh, doing some interviews, some special panels out there. We'll be mm-hmm. talking to you guys, uh, the Once once Upon a Time fans and everything. In order to get Anne-Marie uh, to the convention, uh, not only do we have to cover her airfare, but we also have to pay for a babysitter for the kids. But we'd love to have her go out there and help help with the interviews and be on panels and interact with all of you guys. So we've we've come up with a fun way to kind of try and finance this. We want to see you there, which is why we're throwing the greetings from Storybrook Regal Con. Test. Test. So two prizes. The grand prize, the three-day uh, general admission ticket to RegalCon 2015, uh, and the runner-up prize, which is a beautiful Rumpelstiltskin stand-in like we have right back here. Now, there are three ways for you to enter the RegalCon test. First is by making a one-time donation. There should be a pretty little button right around here. Yeah, and you can make I, a donation right through YouTube. Right, right through here. YouTube. Second is to donate to our Patreon or to up your donation if you're a current patron. And patron donations start at ten cents. Uh, the grand prize. The grand prize is worth one hundred and thirty nine dollars. One hundred and thirty nine dollars for ten cents. That's a good entry. Right? I think that's a good deal. But you know, if you don't want to spend uh, money directly, right. we, we completely understand, understood. and that's completely. fine. So we have a third way to enter too. Send us a postcard. Very because easy. Because our where is it thing here is pretty empty still. Send us something to put in the frame, and you'll be entered to win both of the prizes yes, as that, well. That will definitely count as an entry, uh, which is good. And you can uh, send it to 
this address right here that we'll put right Please here. Please give me an address. Right there. Yes. Uh, you have to enter quickly, quickly because we want to give everyone, you know, the grand prize winner, we want to give them time to make uh, travel arrangements, travel arrangements hotel arrangements, all exactly. that kind of stuff. So we're going to uh, cut off entries midnight on April the 8th. Then what we'll do on April 9th is we'll go ahead and draw the grand prize winner mm-hmm. and we'll contact oh, them uh, privately and give them 24 hours to either accept or decline. If, if they accept, uh, fine, we're off to the races and we'll do a second draw for the Rumpel standout or stand in, stand up. But if they reject it or they don't respond, we're going to go ahead and pull another grand prize winner mm-hmm. and uh, keep going like keep that until here. we find someone who wants to do it. And then, you know, draw, make draw a second for- draw for the runner up. Right. If you win the general admission ticket, we're going to take you out for, for uh, dinner and drinks or something to, uh, you know, j- just uh, hang out for a little bit, <laughs> everything. You have to. I mean, if you're, if you're coming to a convention, you've got to enjoy yourself. Okay. So like we said, two prizes. Is one general admission ticket free of charge to RegalCon 2015 that they've graciously provided us, and one Rumpelstiltskin stand-up cutout cardboard guy, like we have in the background of all of our episodes of Greetings from Storybrooke. Get your entry in by April 8th to enter, and uh, we hope to see you at the con. And we definitely do hope to see you there. And, yes. and like, like we said earlier, there might be a, a greetings panel. Who knows? Might uh, be a greetings no panel. No one's told us. But uh, let's see. Okay, what? I guess we'll go ahead and move on now on to the wave. Sing me a story. Sing me a rhyme. Sing all about what happened. Once, Once upon, upon a time. They said the name of the show. They said the name of the show. And now on to the news. News. First up, the ratings. And by the way, the, the links to all of these stories will be in our show notes at greetingsfromstorybrook.com. ABC's Once Upon a Time ranked number one in its hour for the fifth week in a row in adults 18 to 49. It had a 1.7 million and a, a, a five share? I have no idea. I copy and paste Okay. It. Five tie, it says. I, th- so I think it just tied whatever it had okay. with that from last week. But, you know, being number one in the hour for the fifth week in a row was pretty good. Oh, definitely. And yeah, you also noted here that it was up for the second week uh, with women 18 to 34 uh, plus 5% and also grew in teens 12 to 17. Which, yeah, which uh, those aren't the uh, the strongest demos, but they're still good demos. And I mean demos that... Don't judge hit. my demo. <laughs> I will always judge your demo. Oh, Okay, uh, well, they did release a little promo for next week, so we'll go ahead and play that and uh, commentate over it a little bit uh, for uh, the next episode, which is Heart of Gold, right? Mm-hmm. So let's see here. How would you like to take a little trip? Where I'd like to take a trip. Yeah, and it looks like uh, pre-Robin Hood, Robin Hood, and Rumpel meeting up to uh, talk about the Wicked Witch. He's riding a horse in New York City. Welcome back, Wicked. <laughs> yeah, at least in flashback, we'll have the Wicked Witch. I think Witch. it's in reality, too, because of her reaction oh so that must be what rumple has that was keep holding regina down i like that oh you know what we didn't even show the video for that at all no sorry they'll survive they can watch it at their own leisure uh no but uh one thing we haven't really addressed is there's been a fan theory floated around since uh the season finale last year Mm -hmm. that made marianne is actually zelina in disguise oh which i i don't know the evidence behind it or anything but it like considering that robin and zelina are gonna have like a major episode together it looks like next time out oh that would make a lot of sense you know, that maybe something happens between them the first time he goes oh. and this time he discovers she's Zelina. Oh. Of course, she doesn't have magic because they're out in the real world and everybody. Oh. Just a, a little interesting thing. That should be interesting. Just asking questions. Just asking questions. That's what we do. Okay. And they, they did release a few new promo picks uh, for the next episodes coming up here. Now we have... 
uh, let's see, the Charming Clan, uh, Team Charming with their pirate mascot out, mascot. Uh, mascot out in the woods. Uh, it's uh, a lot of them in the woods mm-hmm. with these flashlights. Yeah, and then we have Rumple and the author mm-hmm. talking. Well, uh, at least he caught him. Yeah, the author does not look very happy. Mm-hmm. Would you be? No, no. And then some more uh, Team Charming rolling through the woods with flashlights. Probably, probably looking for the author, although I think he's in the library because they have the library in the background of the that The library is always in the shot. Yeah, that's true. And then more Team Charming with pirate mascot, more just a... Uh, Captain Swan, Captain Swan. I think I thought there was one more kind of interesting one in here. No, nope, there? there are pretty much a lot of this. Oh well, maybe. Yeah, more of Keep author going. and the uh, the author and Rumple and uh, then uh, Robin in his uh, classic looks like a military uniform. Military uniform and uh, looking through some stuff in and, um, Oz. It, yeah, and then we also I believe we have there's a Wicked Witch yeah. and yeah then we have Will Scarlet yes. in classic garb too. So we could be seeing a a nice flashback of Will Scarlet. Yeah, else. that'll be. Good. Good. Which I'm is excited. a lot of fun. And, uh, what, but we have to wait two weeks. Yeah, we do have to wait two weeks. One other thing we wanted to mention, and you can find this at uh, twotruefreaks.com uh, slash shows.php question mark show equals five. There's just, lots of stuff there. Yeah, or, or, or just, follow uh, the link in the show notes. In the show notes. And our fr- our buddy Hope, who you've heard on the show a million times, I think she even has a voice. She's in the chat. In a minute. Yeah. Uh, she's been doing a new thing, kind of like a, a radio drama or a radio play uh, fan fiction, mm-hmm. uh, Once Upon a Time, featuring, if you can believe it, if you know Hope at all, Jefferson. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's called Realms New Beginnings. And I, I I forget what the name of her friend is she's doing it with. Uh, but uh, lots, of, lots of good stuff in it. The stuff with the angel? What's that? Isn't it the stuff with the angel? Is it? Is it? Okay. I, I can't. I, can't remember for sure. I don't want to say for sure. Don't Clark worry. They'll the call us room. out because they're both in the chat. Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, if you want to check it out, a lot of good stuff going on over there at Two True Freaks uh, from our friend Hope. Uh, let's see here. Was there any other stories? No, I guess mm. not. So I guess. Oh, I think um, Hope had mentioned that the comic comes out tomorrow too. The oh yeah, comic the, the new Once Upon a Time comic yes. comes out tomorrow. She's got the end. She works at a comic shop. That's how we hear these things. Yeah, I, I believe I, she, she she did uh, post a couple of non-spoilery uh, mm-hmm. things on her Twitter today because she had read it. Uh, one, I guess I guess you get to find out who Jefferson's wife is, oh, and fun. every story has a new character to add to the mythos. I like it, which is kind of fun. Okay, well now we'll move on to our listener feedback, which we have a lot of this week. Uh, and it, as always, when you get done watching the episode in a couple weeks, I need you to pick up your dragon egg that you keep next to the couch carry it very carefully over to your computer toss it out the window email us greetings from storybrook at gmail.com tweet us at gf storybrook facebook is facebook.com slash greetings from storybrook and the voicemail number is 424-274-2352 again that's 424-274-2352 and our first one this week is not from bobby which is weird it's from somebody named bell No, I'm just kidding. Take it away, Bobby. Rhyme. Hey, Bill and Amory, it's Bobby. Okay, wow. <laughs> this this was one of my favorite episodes of this mm-hmm. show thus far. It was good. Jane Esperson is such a great writer. She was able to pack so much into this episode without it feeling like convoluted or overcrowded. Uh, I could go on forever, so I'll try to just stick to a few key points to say as brief as possible. First off, I loved Snow White and Charming's arc in this episode. I would just like to say we did get confirmation in the chat room that it was Angel who worked on Hope with that. No. Oh, no, it wasn't? No. Oh, It's okay. based on something she's Angel and Hope have been working on, but Hope is doing this with a different friend. You have to read all of them. It really showed how they weren't necessarily born heroes. They had to choose to walk that path. And I really loved how both of their futures came true. 
Of course, Charming saw Emma in the woods in a basket. And then Snow White, I mean, that whole scene played out in the future word for word with Snow White saying, but I'm your mother, and Emma saying, I don't care. <laughs> now, of course, she didn't actually physically rip her heart out and crush it, but when you tell your kids, hey, I'm your mom, I'm your dad, and they say, I don't care, trust me, <laughs> they pretty much just took your heart out and crushed it. It seemed like there was something else going on with Rumpel uh, in that scene where he was uh, talking to Belle while she was asleep. When he grabbed his heart and the way he was talking, it almost seemed as if he was like, he knows he's dying or something and he's trying to change all of it. Pretty much everyone thought it and now it's shown to be true that Lily is uh, Maleficent's daughter. Without them even really mentioning it, we, we pretty much got to see exactly how Ursula... And Corella got to uh, the real world. Apparently, they were transported there with Lily. And, of course, we finally now know who the author is of this particular storybook. Or storybook. There are <laughs> other authors. Women and men. Apparently, one named Walt. <laughs> it's he women and men. Men yeah. and women. It seems as though, like, maybe Plato and Shakespeare and Walt Disney were all authors. Um, the title was passed down with the quill. I believe I actually made that theory in our chat. And I don't think Amy's theory is wrong either. I do think that Belle's mom is an author, or was an author, and I believe the sorcerer will be looking for a new author, and who else in this show loves books more than Belle? Again, love this episode. I could go on forever, so I'm going to try, I'm just going to... Stop right now. Um, I'm going to give it like 47 of 47 uh, witches' feet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to – I almost hit stop right away when he was like, I'm going to stop right now. Stop. You, we don't get your rating, but uh, thank you, Bobby. And next up is a new caller actually. Yay! Uh, named Brad. Uh, take it away, Brad. Hey, guys. Um, this hey. is Brad. Hey, I'm Brad. a first-time caller from Tennessee. Uh, I will admit that I have not uh, seen this week's episode. I'm typically uh, a day behind. I'll listen to last week's podcast on my commute back to the town that I work in on Sunday night to get my Once Upon a Time fix, and then I watch the new episode on Monday at lunch. However, Reasonable. I have a theory about the author that I hope has not been revealed in this episode, um, but I would like to verbalize to a community that will probably appreciate um, the idea, even if it does not end up being the truth. I am convinced, like many of you, that Bill's mother is the author, but I think it's bigger than that. My idea is that I believe that Bill's mother is Mother Goose. Uh, this would introduce a world that was exposed in the Mad Hatter's hat among those other doors that we have not visited. And while I do not think that the characters within that world will offer a great plot line, um, it is a great twist that also justifies the appearance of Little Bo Peep in uh, one of the flashback episodes. Like maybe Aww. she got pulled in from another world and became a warlord or something. Ooh. I like that. Which, again, I probably did not enjoy very much the idea of Bo Peep having magic. But a magical idea of, I mean, a idea of a magical mother goose um, really does excite me. Uh, one of the other reasons, besides uh, the literature backstory and the previous episode featuring both Pete, um, that I believe that this could be a Mother Goose um, introduction is because geese are symbolic of um, lifelong companionship, family loyalty, um, and have a great history within the French background, which, of course, Belle does as well. And, of course, there's the book thing. So I believe these are all things that piece together for why she would be going against people like Regina and Rumpel, who have hurt Belle the most, and other heroes 
happy endings seem to be in and out. Um, also, just the fact that those are also uh, pro-hero stances. You know, the idea of true love, lifelong companionship, loyalty, and uh, wisdom. Uh, it just it just seems like the perfect fit. Um, of course, I say this all because I hope to be right, <laughs> and I want somebody to hear me say it first. But if it doesn't work out, then I'm sure they'll have something great. Uh, thank you for all you do. Uh, enjoy the podcast. Hey, Bill. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so for... much. Thank you for calling in. Yeah, and it, while while it, nothing was necessarily revealed uh, to what you said, I don't think anything you Went said was contradicted no. either. So so it could There's be interesting. Still hope. But uh, There's still hope. You know, obviously, uh, let us know as soon as possible. Run to your computer after you watch the episode to let us know what you thought about the author and everything. Totes. Okay, uh, next up is Hope. Take it away, Hope. Hey, Bill and Emery. So about best laid plans, because a lot happened in this episode, and I mm-hmm. really liked the episode. First and foremost, I didn't really care anything about the Charmings, though Maleficent was absolutely stellar in this episode. She was so good. All right, so let's talk about this author because I have a lot of questions about this author. <laughs> I like that the author is a job and there's been multiple authors throughout time. And it helps really explain how they're living fairy tales, but you still have like the Grimm's fairy tales, the Disney's and all that. I wonder if this is like the comic book fables where the stories brought our characters into being or are the stories and the characters just two con- like separate things that are just coincidences? So where's the writing quill now, the one that the author had, and are there more than one quill to record all the stories? If there's more than one quill, I'm wondering if August might have one, since we know that he's altered the book, and he is a writer. And also, where did August get all of this knowledge from? He brought up the dragon from season Blue Fairy. Of course. Shady Blue. Season two. But are there other authors out there in our world? And was the dragon an author? Does that mean that the other authors like Walt Disney and Shakespeare know about all the other worlds? I feel like the dragon wanted to be an author, Mm -hmm. which is why he was researching it, but wasn't quite there yet. Mm-hmm. He still still needed to get a, a couple bad books before he got the good one. Yeah. Out. And I'm assuming when August referred to the playwrights, he was talking about like Shakespeare, Marlowe, Sophocles, all them. Mm-hmm. Um, and can there be multiple authors at one time? Could the guy who that August met in Hong Kong that took him to the dragon be part of all this too? And also we have potentials for new authors. Uh, I think Henry would make a great new author, and I think they're really prepping him to be the new one. Mm-hmm. And also, why did the peddler slash the author feel the need to start altering stories? Like, what happened in his past that made him go, okay, I need to alter these stories the way I want them to be? And finally, uh, I'm bummed with the blue fairy. Well, yeah, I felt like with that, I, I, I think the author just wanted the stories to be more dramatic than real life normally is you know right. like real life uh, kind, kind of plods along and there there are big moments and stuff but there there aren't like big epic battles between good and evil so I mean like you know if if this was a documentary it would get boring really quick I think the author was just trying to spice, spice up the story up yeah isn't the spice author <laughs> but I think she might have could have been one in the past um, I think I still think she could also be the sorcerer too it was a great episode absolutely loved it except for the charming parts <laughs> I was just raging at Snow and David the entire time. But I gave a best laid plan 7.5 Maleficent tears out of 10. Hey, b- Excellent. And uh, next up, what did you have something? Poor Maleficent. Poor Mal. Mal. Okay, uh, next up is Michael Lucero. Take it away, Michael. Hey, Bill and Anne-Marie, it's Michael. Hey. Um, I'm really glad we got some plot twists in this episode that make the author situation make at least some semblance of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, though the twist was kind of abrupt. It felt like it was a course correction that happened pretty late in the once writer's room. I don't know. That's just my speculation. Uh, is this? Do you think this is what they always planned for this story? 
Well, I, I, I know that sometimes writers' room and marketing rooms don't really talk See, too I, much. I, yeah. But, but you know, it, it definitely felt like they were like the the whole you know Spice Girls of Evil thing was supposed to be the main concentration, mm-hmm. or, or at least from the outside of it. But then again, they they were setting up a lot of this author stuff through the Frozen. I think if there was a course correction, it was during the Frozen arc. Like once they yeah. saw the public reaction to it, they were like, okay, we need to get back into deep mythological Something stuff. Else, yeah. All that stuff. But again, I could be completely wrong we're not privy to those conversations um the idea that the authors observe and not dictate but this particular author was breaking the rules and influencing events uh contrary to his duty uh maybe i I don't know but it doesn't it doesn't really feel like that's how it what it was always supposed to be but now that we at least have natural free will preserved uh and the author's tampering with free will uh makes him an antagonist i feel a lot better about this story Mm -hmm. uh funnily enough the author portion of this episode was the most interesting part to me uh the snow and charming part was annoying and frustrating (laughs) and their whole concept of redemption at the end I found nonsensical and a bit two-dimensional. So, so Michael was the one who insulted my my basic morality. Basically, that's fine, yeah. Michael. Maybe maybe I should just drop my moral code then. No, keep the morals. Uh, but now that we know what's actually going on, I think I can get behind the author story. Uh, maybe I'm. Cr- I found a new moral code. Oh. Sing me a story. Sing me a rhyme. Sorry, Michael, go ahead. Crossing my fingers, but at least I'm more intrigued than cautious now. Uh, I, I find the idea of a generational office of recording stories a really interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I love the irony that they made Walt Disney one of the past authors, uh, <laughs> even though... In in real life, it was Disney himself who altered this, these stories more than any other folklore oh, yeah. collector. Uh, yeah, uh, Walt Disney uh, built his kingdom on other people's IP. Yeah. <laughs> you know for sure. Um, so he, I think he, Disney bears the most actual resemblance to the character that we got in this episode. Yeah. Uh, in terms of his role in passing on these stories. Uh, I'm not sure if they intended that irony or not, but it's there, and <laughs> I think that's a great thing. Uh, so maybe my original prediction of Disney, uh, Disney himself being the villain isn't too far off the mark. Um, lastly, I know Bill and Emery, you aren't Lost fans, and I apologize for the spoilers I'm about to mention, uh, but I can't help it. Uh, I, I, all I could think of at the end of this episode was all the lost parallels, especially between um, Emma with the book and Locke with the button. Uh, they both had been lied to by sources that they really trusted, uh, discovered the lies, caused them to feel disillusioned, betrayed. And they went over the edge and uh, did something that they shouldn't have done, even though other people... Uh, who knew better were warning them. And the constant, uh, consequences were almost immediate in both cases. Uh, with Locke, it was failing to push the button, and Emma, it was opening the door. Uh, so I kind of expected her to look at August with, uh, with dismay, uh, and say, I was wrong! <laughs> um, and also how appropriate that the author is, uh, the same actor who played Phil from the Dharma Initiative. Mm-hmm. Uh, Probably the most annoying character in Lost, even more so than Nikki and Paolo. <laughs> All right, well, I can't wait to hear the episode, and 
uh, yeah. Hi, Bill. And Bill. Yeah, and uh, I, I completely zoned out on the loss section. I'm sure it was very informative for people who know. <laughs> no, actually, I, I know what you're talking about. With I, I think I made it. Uh, I at least made it to the reveal of the the button and the guy underground and all that kind of stuff. So I, I kind of understood what you were talking about. Yeah, maybe. Oh, that's what. Because I was telling you there was like a perfect milestone that we should maybe put oh. between the commentaries yeah. and the instant reactions. Was and it that we actually watch Lost? Is that we actually watch Lost and like maybe do like a short run podcast on it. Oh. Like a reaction podcast. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about oh, it. Oh, just put it in. Uh, next up is Other Anne-Marie. <laughs> Take it away, Other Anne-Marie. Hi, Bill and Anne-Marie. This Hi. is Other Anne-Marie calling in for greetings from Storybrooke. And I just finished watching the episode. And I thought I'd share some of my thoughts. I, I don't know what it was, but most of the episode, I just felt like very bored. I don't know. It's It was just not a super duper great episode, uh, I guess, all the way up to like the end. Um, I like that uh, Emma conjured up some copy pages. It's nice to see her using some of her magic, I guess, and knowing that she, she is practicing. I mean, that was definitely a pet peeve for me for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, I am getting really frustrated with the Charmings, though. I mean, seriously, Emma was standing right there when they were having the conversation. I know it's the, if they're off screen, they can't hear anything. Like, we've seen it before with Henry, <laughs> but really. And then just David yelling at Henry now. Very frustrating. Um, I I was really happy, though, that Snow by the end finally turned around. It was actually really funny. I wrote down Snow's heart had a dark spot long before Cora's death, and then she actually addressed it later. So that was really cool. Yeah, I actually, uh, as part of our preparation for the show, uh, after I've done my, my rewatches and put in all my notes for the show and everything, I go and check out what people are saying online. And I, I was reading some live reaction threads, and there was a lot of that where like someone would like put a comment, oh, Snow's heart was dark long before, and then edit, oh, they said it. <laughs> they were listening. Um, and how did Emma and Hook wake up? afterwards like did i miss something i'm, oh, I'm not yeah. quite sure but uh it was kind of weird yeah they did yeah, where was the wake up i'm guessing maybe once once they did what they needed to do they just lifted the sleeping curse or whatever maybe. i guess and um we also found out that lily's mel's daughter which i think that was like a ma- major theory for a lot of people so that was good oh yeah um, i'm not sure how i feel about the fact that the author is an unknown character i mean it's really nice to know that he he hasn't been seen before i guess mm-hmm. um a lot of theories shot down right there <laughs> i was also kind of disappointed that he wasn't connected to anybody i mean everybody's always connected in in once upon a time and so that was kind of i guess disappointing i don't know uh, yeah it, it's kind of uh it, no it kind of felt like with all the setup they did for the author that he might be that the author would be a character that we'd seen before mm-hmm. we know and it, i i can definitely see that where it felt a little unfair that it was a brand new guy who made his first appearance this episode and it was just a mystery that played out over the course of about 20 minutes right i still have to form my ideas on that one i guess out of 12 bottles of booze i am going (laughs) to give this six i i really wasn't that impressed with the episode anyway can't wait to hear your thoughts about it bye thank you other emory I, I will point out that Angel over in the chat room uh, says that uh, the the whole thing with Charming, mm-hmm. the Charmings and Emma right there, says it's very theater-like with the asides. Like, as long as the character is speaking away from the others, no one else hears it. Which, yeah, and if it was a stage play, I wouldn't question it at all. It's just because generally you don't see that even in, in very sort of theatrical uh, primetime TV mm-hmm. shows like this. But uh, let's see here. Okay. Uh, oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Are you really? Brad? Brad? Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Brad. Brad's calling again. Uh, take it away, Brad. Hey, guys. This is 
Brad again. Um, Hi. Third voicemail this week. I'm so sorry. The first was a mistake. The second was tragic, especially for the timing <laughs> that I've now seen last night's episode, and I probably could not have been more wrong. Um, I do love the way they connected the Walt Disney uh, reference, and uh, I felt like overall it was a great episode. And there's still great potential that Bill's mother could be Mother Goose in maybe the way that they're going to defeat the ill-mannered author that has been released. At least I could hope. Um, <laughs> however, just calling to admit that I could not have had worse timing in expressing my theory, uh, especially considering I ex- uh, shared this theory uh, just moments after everyone else in the country found out that I was wrong. <laughs> All right, well, maybe better luck with Bill's mother uh, future down the road. Thanks again for uh, the podcast that you offer and uh, enjoy your views, which I probably will not be able to hear again until next Sunday night. Anyways, thank you. Goodbye. Okay, uh, Brad, since you're not going to be listening to this until uh, next Sunday night, I just want to let you know there's going to be a horrible thing that happens in the in uh, where were you from? Tennessee, <laughs> Tennessee next Saturday. <laughs> so get out of Tennessee. Go to Kentucky. <laughs> go to uh, Omaha. Just stay out of Omaha. Tennessee. A, a giant dragon is going to fly down and drop a million eggs. But thank you very much for calling, calling in, Brad. And we, we, we hope to hear from you again soon. And finally, our last voicemail is from Will. Take it away, Woo! Will. I thought this episode was fantastic. I thought it, the dialogue and everybody's performances furthered the story in ways that I didn't think one episode of Once Upon a Time could. I loved it, the thing with Maleficent and Gold and Regina's Kirk and Gold revealing the location of, of Maleficent's baby to Maleficent. Kind of ironic and kind of sad what Gold says about pain because he's really talking about Bellfire and he's really talking about finding his son Yes, it brought him closure, but it brought him more pain and really brought more darkness in his heart because losing his son for a second time just made him more of a villain. I loved the return of what Meeks calls Zen Charming <laughs> in the nursery in Mist Haven. I loved... Yeah, that was very Zen Charming. I, I should have dropped that reference. Sorry, Will. Snow's thing in the, in the author's mansion about what it is to really be a hero. To be a hero. And I, and my favorite scene in the whole episode was Emma finding the truth about what her parents did to ensure her safety and the heartbreak and the disappointment in her face really furthered the story and really told the story of that scene more than dialogue ever could. One thing before I go, I love how the author really doesn't care about who wins or who loses. He just wants to see chaos. He likes chaos. He <laughs> likes plot twists for the sake of plot twists. And he really do- and he really doesn't care who wins or who loses or who he hurts to make this story an interesting story. And it's going to be interesting how the villains and heroes react to this. I give this episode six unicorns out of six. Talk to you guys in two weeks. Bye-bye. Thank you very Thank much, you, Will. Definitely. And uh, uh, Will brings up the point, and, and uh, also uh, Lady Rags over on our Facebook did too. And I think this is actually, uh, since we have a couple weeks break here, if you guys want to weigh in uh, with your thoughts on – I'll just read Lady uh, Rags' questions here. It, it just And you can respond to these uh, either through Twitter, at GF Story or at our Facebook at facebook.com slash greetings from Storybrook. Uh, how do you think the peddler author changed?
change the story. Uh, What kind of impact do you think he had or has? And is he the cause of the upcoming war between good and bad? Also, uh, do you think that the author can impact the rest of the story or if his power is kind of at an end right now? So, uh, you know, as we're uh, going through our break and everything here, definitely feel free to tweet us at GF Storybrooker. Hit up our Facebook to let us know your answers to Lady Rag's uh, great question. Give us these answers. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Okay, uh, next up, uh, we just have two letters here real quick and then we'll get out of your hair. Uh, Alina says uh, they reference Walt. Walt Disney, smiley face. Uh, Darn, I'll say. Uh, That other author uh, forsook his duty, changing the stories for a better story, but now he's out of the book. Uh, really well-written episode. Mm-hmm. That speech about the authors recording great stories I August told was incredibly poign- poignant. Poignant? Poignant. Poignant. I, I enjoyed this episode. Uh, Snow is really having some powerful character development. She's becoming really self-aware. The darkness started a long time ago, uh, for example. She's also accepting her actions, but at the same time losing her daughter. Frowny face. Frowny face. Frowny face. Uh, we're not heroes anymore. It's easy to lose our way if we're selfish. Also, poor Maleficent. Frowny face. My heart breaks for her, but yay, Lily. <laughs> uh, this will become a monster just like you. Uh, Snow. And what are you? Uh, says Maleficent. I, I'm enjoying that the idea uh, that I'm enjoying the idea that evil isn't born uh the parent may not be as good but the innocence of uh the child isn't darkened by that uh it hits at the hearts of once upon a time that poor child though that entire scene where the baby is taken away is heartbreaking a poor maleficent even though the apprentice said that the child has to be had to be guided isn't the duty isn't that the duty of a parent anyway true that so many questions. Uh, Snow says, if we keep this up, we're no different than gold. It's interesting how Ariel previously said villains go about getting their happy endings in the wrong way. So I wonder what will happen to the Charmians if they keep lying. Are they themselves authoring their destiny down a dark path? Uh, but now Emma knows it, it, it's the lying, though, that can diverge someone from their current path. Uh, my theory is Regina and Emma going uh, are going to leave Storybrooke to save Robin and uh, find Lily in the process. And I also think that Zelina is made Marion in disguise. Mm-hmm. I, I thank you very much, Zelina. And yeah, like I've seen that theory posted several places. I remember there being some evidence for it. I can't remember it off the top of my head. You want to finish up, us up here with Ash? All right. This one's from Ash. Hey, Annabelle. Just off the bat, I've missed August and his speeches in season one, Snow and Charming. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, Henry did Bay proud with the old switcheroo of the door page. And man, those flashback scenes especially were spot on. Hmm, I wonder if that sleeping curse now makes everyone immunized or if it's just a general shot um, and you need another kind of something. Um, totally had the trickster Jack um, archetype covered in this episode. Just um, so much and awesome. Um, uh, so-called egg lily thing. So <laughs> Ursula and Corolla were like mouths, midwives, babysitters. I guess. Okay, then. Rather fitting. Um, I bet the silver stuff was some sort of reference to the dragon side of her daughter. Hmm. Um, ache my heart just was going back and forth on the emotional roller coaster. Bounty hunter Sheriff Emma is going to have to go all full force. Ugh, hiatus is boo. <laughs> uh, gonna give it eight magic quills that look like Mickey magic paintbrush out of Actually, yeah, from the the game Epic Mickey. Yeah, Yeah, it really does. And I I would just like to point out that Bobby in the chat room, and I I completely agree with the sentiment. If you guys want to start a campaign or something, he says, Bill Meeks for author 2016. Uh, I'm okay with that. He's got enough other stories. (laughs) I could do something fun with Rumpel, probably. Probably. But like I said, you know, 
two weeks from now, Heart of Gold, uh, you're going to want to pick up your dragon egg, walk it gently down the hallway, set it on the windowsill. Don't knock it over because then it'll crack and Lily will splatter all over the ground and everything. You don't want that. Then email us, greetingsfromstorybrook at gmail.com. Tweet us at GFStorybrook. Facebook us at facebook.com slash greetingsfromstorybrook. And you can leave us a voicemail, which we almost always play. But, of course, when when you speak the voicemail... It's going to scare the egg. The egg's going to totter over, fall out the window oh, anyway. 424-274-2352. Again, that's 424-274-2352. Uh, now, Anne-Marie, where can people find you online? You can find me on the Twitters at AMDSimone. And, and as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Bill Meeks. You can follow the other podcasts we do. Uh, well, you can go to universebox.com or follow at universe underscore box. And you can uh, check out my books I write about a little superhero named Dog Boy or the one coming up. Uh, trials of King Sparrow at dogboyadventures.com and uh, yeah you can uh, catch us record this podcast live every Monday night except for tonight because it was Cause Tuesday because family stuff Yeah, at 8.30pm EST at uh, live.universebox.com complete with chat Woo-hoo. so I guess until next time greetings, greetings from, from Storybrook, Storybrook. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Okay, we're recording. Recording. No one will ever hear any of this.